Welcome to Happy Hour. Happy Friday, everybody. He's Adam Harahuck. I'm Sean Cantwell. A lot of stuff to get to today. I think we're covering basically every sport that's currently going on at some point over the uh, duration of today's show. Plenty of wing stuff to do because they did have their season opener last night. Yes, they did. We'll have actually a little bit of baseball to talk about in a little bit. Don't worry, Adam. I got th- th- this one's a little more of a, of, a, of a general thing that really has more to do with us poor saps in the media than anything. Oh, okay. We'll get to that coming up. Sure. But I have to lead off with the Lions because they're going for 5-1 and one this Sunday as they go against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, of course, you can hear on our sister station, WBGV Country 92.5 FM. And this is a game that I feel like a lot of people are overlooking a game that I feel like could be a bit of a trap game potentially for this Lions team. In that you have here a pass defense that's pretty good for Tampa Bay going up against what is admittedly thus far the number one quarterback according to Pro Football Focus. Can you believe that? Jared Goff, according to PFF, is the number one graded QB in the NFL. Wow. Did you think you'd ever see that? Well, I mean, Goff has been to a Super Bowl. He lost it, but I mean, he at least got there. And and somehow he's having a better season this year than he did then. Yep. He's first in adjusted completion percentage, fourth in yards per attempt, fourth in adjusted net yards per attempt, sixth in passer rating, and has got one of the best O lines in the league. Like we've we've talked about just how good this team has been by and large at pass blocking. The issue is though, going into this week, you're going to be missing a couple key pieces. Jonah Jackson's going to be out. So that might ding your O-line a bit. And then, of course, uh, Jameer Gibbs is expected to be out. I'm more worried about, honestly, Sam Laporta being out than I am Gibbs. Because Gibbs hasn't been used at all this season. Like Gibbs has been treated like a luxury player, especially when you have David Montgomery. And admittedly, I kind of get why that is. Because David Montgomery's been a beast when he's been healthy this season. Losing Laporta, though, that's, that's, that one hurts. That hurts a lot. Because... Jared Goff and him, like, they connect so well. Like, when it's third down and they're up against it, like, he'll come up with a clutch catch when you need him to. And not having that, I think, is going to hurt quite a bit. So is Laporta just day-to-day, or? I believe he's questionable going into in, into Sunday. Gotcha. So, I mean, there, there's a worry there. But also, it's worth pointing out, this team has struggled against mobile QBs. Like, you haven't faced great passing attacks this year, but you got burned by the Seahawks, as you'll remember. Geno Smith somehow manages to make this team look foolish every time he plays him. And Baker Mayfield, to an extent, has some of that same ability. The nice thing, though, is that your run defense has been stellar this season. So I don't think that's going to hurt you too much. But keep in mind, though, the Bucks also have... You could argue they're the best one-two punch at wide receiver in this league. Yeah, you. I, I would probably myself give the nod to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle first, but Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are two are as good of a duo as any you'll find in the NFL. They're always a threat to to make a big play, to get a big catch. There's not much behind them, not much after them, like. They account for like a good two-thirds of all the team's receiving yards this season. But honestly, when you have a one-two punch, it's that good. I don't think I worry about it that like I, I, I get concerned. Like I wouldn't be worried about the lack of depth behind them. Though, for what it's worth, Evans is battling a hamstring injury. But I do feel like because of the strength of schedule in particular, that that and and playing in what is admittedly a garbage NFC South division, I feel like a lot of people are overlooking this team. Like, Atlanta, we talked about how fraudulent they are, and they proceeded to go off and lose three in a row. Carolina's trashed. New Orleans, not all that good either. And there's a lot, I feel like, of people wanting to go and... Just, oh, whatever, this is an easy game. Lions have this in the bag. And while I get that, 
I don't think you can completely overlook this team considering what we know about about the Lions and how they tend to uh, how they tend to play against teams of that sort. But I I do think though you establish the run early on, and we know what David Montgomery can do. We've we very much have seen that, and the, and the Bucks aren't that great at stopping the run, like, and they've gotten worse over the last couple weeks. I mean, you expect you're going to get run over by the Eagles, but the Saints, you don't expect quite so much to have them just plow them over the way they kind of did. So you, you expect really, I mean, that that that's where this game's going to be won, but they're not a team to sleep on. Like, this is not a game you can look past. We made that mistake, and I feel like to an extent the Lions made that mistake against the Seahawks. And ultimately, that's just something you can't do going into this game. Like, this is a very winnable game. It is very much a winnable game if you take it with the seriousness that it does deserve. I feel like this team is very much up to that. But I feel like also this is one where depending on which Dan Campbell you're getting on that day, is going to also affect affect things like, are we going to see the gutsy, the go-for-it-on-fourth-down guy? And I'd argue you should do that more. Or are we going to see the Dan Campbell that backs off, that's more conservative, that's that, that plays not to lose? And I don't feel like that's a winning... Uh, I'm, I'm going to think it's the latter. I, I honestly do. I mean, it is still Baker Mayfield... For what it's worth, uh, one less interception thrown than Goff, but two uh, two less touchdown thrown for the season. Uh, there and there, they are three and one. So I mean, that's yeah. But look who the three and ones against. Well, I mean, look, you we at least beat Kansas City in Week One. You you beat yeah. the Vikings who were fraudulent, the Bears who were a dumpster fire, yep. and the Saints who were just not good. Who also benefit just, playing yeah, in a trash no, division. Uh, good point. I just, I see Campbell, uh, I see him being a little uh, tempted, kind of. Uh, I kind of worry. I worry you might be right, honestly. I, I kind of get the feeling that he's going to do that, but I feel like if he does do that, it's going to cost his team ultimately. Like, this team's been good in the red zone. Tampa Bay has it at, at stopping and you know forcing teams to settle for field goals, and this is not a team that should be doing that and settling on for like I'm not saying do stupid things like go for it in your own territory on fourth down. Yeah. Not saying we do some of the really the the bizarre things that we've seen over the years, where like okay you probably should just punt it and pin them deep or kick the field goal here, but you got them inside the red zone red zone and it's like. Fourth and fourth and short, like I would expect on more of those situations, you absolutely send Montgomery out there and let him do what he does. This is a guy who's had two hundred plus rushing yard games in a row, and uh, like V to V, obviously is the thing that's going to stand out here and and be the and prevent that from happening. Like he he's a big guy and he he, he can push the pocket, but. I think Montgomery can absolutely be that guy who who will just who will just take a D line with him to get the, to get the yardage you need. So I I would think this is absolutely when you you do those go for it on fourth down uh, short yardage situations. We'll see if Dan Campbell agrees with that on Sunday, I suppose, and we'll we'll make our predictions on that here coming up in a little bit, because of course we're going to do the picks sometime between now and the end of the show. A lot of stuff to get to. Don't go anywhere. We'll get into the Red Wings next, because I know you're just jonesing for that Red Wings fix. <laughs> we'll do it next right here on Happy Hour. Stick around. Back after this. It is Happy Hour. He's Adam Harahuck. I'm Sean Cantwell. Glad to have you on board with us here on a Friday afternoon. And at long last, it, it's, it's been a long summer, man. Really, truly has. <laughs> but finally, at long last, it is one of my favorite times of the year, and I know it is Adam's favorite time of the year. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Hockey is back. Cue the music. Hey, hockey time! 
How about them Red Wings last night? Well, they it didn't go the way they wanted. They end up dropping the game four to three to New Jersey, but there's a lot you can still take away from this. We both expect uh, Jersey to do well in the playoffs. I think you've got them going to the Stanley Cup Finals. No, I I have them losing to Carolina in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I okay. I was gonna mention because I I know you and I are both part of a certain Facebook group yep. that is very very uh, sky is falling. Like it, it, it's very much like oh, the course. Chicken Little of Red Wings Facebook groups. Oh yeah. And oh my God, this team's terrible. I can't believe it. This team's garbage. They're not gonna do anything. They lost New Jersey. Oh my God, people. It's <laughs> the first game of the season yep. against a team that's going to be a contender for a cup this year. Yep. They're going to probably they're going to make it. I think to the Eastern Conference Finals. They could win the Eastern Conference Finals, and. This team didn't look terrible outside of the penalties and outside of Jeff Petrie. Can we can we get somebody else in in his spot on the on the roster, please? <laughs> but did you, did you know he's Dan Petrie's kid? I had no idea. Uh, they held the Devils to like four shots on goal in the first period. Then they outshot the Devils throughout the entire game. The with a uh, bring up the stats here. More aggressiveness. Th- Thirty-five shots on goal to twenty-seven. They they needed to be more aggressive. Very, very tempted in the, like the latter half of the game. How long have we have we been saying though that this team needs to be more aggressive about putting the puck on net, and they're finally actually starting to do it? They they certainly have thirty five shots on goal. They won fifty eight percent of the uh, faceoffs. Two for four on the power play. I'll take that. Absolutely. Fourteen block shots. You got some. Uh, you got some scoring. You got some scoring from Daniel Sprong. That was not the person I was expecting to have the first goal this season. No, no, not I was expecting to be on the roster, to be honest with you. (laughs) Alex DeBrinkett, he gets his first of the season on the power play with Dylan Larkin and Shane Gothisbear with the assists. And then Robbie Fabry on on the power play, uh, JT Comper and Jake Woolman with the assists in the third period at 1926. But then you've got Jack Hughes getting two goals, Dougie Hamilton. Coming out of nowhere. Jack Hughes slashing Alex Debrinkit. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Hawala. Hawala Bear uh, with an empty <laughs> netter. So, I mean, New Jersey is going to be tough this year for for anybody. Yeah, they're going to be a hard team to beat. And I honestly am not particularly disappointed. I mean, I'm, am I disappointed about the loss? Sure. Am I writing this season off as a result of it? Also, no. No. They, they came out, the Wings came out strong. But they needed to keep that going after a while. I, or it could just be New Jersey finally uh, started playing hockey. It, it, it could be that way, too. I know Huso finished the night not great with like an 880 per, uh, save percentage, 23 saves on 26 shots. Uh, he, he could stand to be better. And the team could be a little bit more aggressive uh, on the defense Late in the later in the game, but this is this is all stuff they'll be learning. I'm sure they're going to be going over tapes for when they uh, have the home opener against uh, another tough opponent, the Tampa Bay Lightning, on Saturday. It's it's going to be tough. I I know it, it really. They're still the team to beat this year, even if they don't have Andre Vasilevsky for the first few months of the season. But that's that should help them, but. They still have Stamkos. They still have Hedman. They have Nikita Kucherov, who I heard is pretty good. Yeah, you're going to need the defense to absolutely step it up uh, quite big there. So i got to ask, Ben, what do you make of the uh, the pulling the goalie when they did? Because obviously that ended up directly resulting in the goal from Eric Walla, But then Fabry ends up with a power play goal later on. If they, Perhaps if you don't pull the goalie there, you're going to OT. Right. Pulling the goalie, uh, coaches do it all the time, and I don't know why, because I've been watching hockey for a little while. I've, I think I've only seen it work uh, maybe a handful of times, maybe. More often than not, if the wings are up and the other team pulls a goalie, I'm like, yay, we're going to get another goal, and because that's usually what happens. I mean, John Cooper, as we know, is kind of the king of pulling the goalie mm-hmm. early. In his case, like I've seen him do it like with five minutes left in the game. Yep. And I'm not surprised that Lalone would kind of come from that same school of thought, having come from that team. But you can really make the argument. This team isn't that good enough to uh, warrant taking the, uh, taking the uh, goalie out. 
Because then you've got everybody else on the ice, even though you got six skaters, you got six skaters going, wow, we don't have a goalie. We have to real. It's. I. That's what I would be thinking. You don't pull the goalie. You just make sure you're your best five, whether it's five forwards or five defensemen or whatever. You put your five best players on the ice and go for it. Yeah, I, and I would tend to agree with you more often than not. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to work nearly as often as as coaches attempt it. I mean, it's it's a it's a hail mary kind of play. It, it is, but yeah, just rather just get five forwards out there and say, you know, don't worry too much about defense. Get the puck on net and get a goal. That that's an interesting way to go about it. I wonder if. Uh... I wonder if that's something that gets tried. I feel like there's probably a reason it doesn't, or if you have a, if you have good defensive forwards out there too, like that, that could. Well, put in your typical like power play uh, unit, which t- typically is uh, four forwards, one defenseman, and you keep your goalie back there. That, that would that would make that does make a lot of sense. Not impressed with Dan Petrie so far, or Jeff Petrie. That, that, yeah, him too. <laughs> no, yeah, Jeff Petrie did not look particularly good last night. You mentioned there, there was a two holding penalties on him. Uh, David Perron, who I was speaking pretty highly of yesterday, he couldn't stop slashing people. Apparently, Halloween's gotten him in, uh, in a slashing kind of mood. Uh, he had two, he had four minutes on the on the night uh, slashing. Then you also got uh seemed like Petrie gave a, you know, gave the puck away a lot. Him and Sharat both. Yeah. Like a lot of people have not been too high on Sherratt. A lot of people haven't been high on him since we signed him, and yeah. I kind of don't blame them. Like you gotta imagine, Mata's gonna get some more looks probably as soon as Saturday, and if if this keeps up, like I feel like we might be seeing some shakeups. Maybe some of those kids that got sent down will be showing up here sooner rather than later. If if this goes yeah. on this way for much longer. I, the month of October is a big one for teams. You can't win the Stanley Cup in October, but you can sure as hell lose it. You absolutely can. We've seen plenty of teams do it. We've seen... I feel like we've seen our team do it over oh, the years. Oh, yes, we have. I mean, we, if you are uh, have a losing record, come, like, they say uh, Thanksgiving, you have a losing record, you're, you're pretty much you're pretty much done yeah, you have to. Re- the, there's a reason why we look at that 2019 St. Louis Blues, who were dead last in January, winning the Stanley Cup as being so uh, momentous because it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that often, ever, rarely, if at all. No, not at all. So you you like to see him regroup a bit between now and uh, and, they, and they will Saturday. They know who they're playing against. There is, I mean, Lalonde is from that era. Uh, certainly, so is Eisenman's. So there's a, there's a uh, probably a bragging rights kind of thing on the line. So they're they're gonna a little extra spring in their step, and it's a home opener. Absolutely. I mean, you gotta expect they're gonna play up for the home opener. That that's just going to be kind of. I mean, it's kind of what they do. Like they're gonna be the energy is gonna be high. At LCA certainly, and they're gonna want they're gonna want redemption for what happened last night. <laughs> yes, they are. So no doubt, I, I I agree with that entirely. A thing I keep hearing, and I feel like we have to apparently address it again: the whole uh, Nylander thing, where it, he's being still talked about as moving to the Red Wings at some point. Uh, yeah, well, that's because Red Wing fans and the people who run these uh, Fly by Night Facebook pages, they're getting as bad as Maple Leaf fans. They're saying that everybody who even sniffs around uh, another team, oh, they definitely want to come play for the Red Wings. Everybody wants to come play for the Red Wings. Kind of like Toronto fans yeah. think everyone wants to come play for the Leafs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I don't know. I mean, Nylander, come it'd be interesting. It'd be it'd be a lot of fun to see him come over. But I mean, he'd come over as a trade. What's gonna go? What is gonna go Toronto's way? Except for cap relief. Right. I and I don't think Toronto's going to settle for nothing back in return for for Nylander, even if he is going to no. be a free agent and they know they can't afford to retain him in free agency. Yeah, they're not going to let him go for nothing. Plus, cuz someone's going to pay him. Yeah. Pay them pretty decent for him. Yeah, they're not going to trade him to uh, a team in their division. That's also true. I, I would see him going west as opposed to uh going 4 4 hours away from Toronto to Detroit. 
I mean, stranger things have happened, but I, I, I agree. I don't see it being particularly likely. And you don't have, honestly, the NHL-ready assets to give up for him. No, you do not. The only thing I can think of is first-round draft pick. And do you really want to, you know, you know how Steve Eiserman is with his draft picks. Very stingy. But Very. I don't think I don't think they'd take a first-round first draft pick. Because I don't think they're going to see quite the value in that, especially if Detroit ends up being a playoff contender. I mean, by contender, I mean they make they make the playoffs this season. Right. I don't see Toronto being okay with that. They're going to want, like, they probably want, like, an Edvinson or a Berggren or some combination or Jeff there. Petrie. Go ahead. Please. Yeah, you can take take Petrie. You can have him for free. No, free of charge. Don't even worry about it. We'll pay the rest yeah. of his contract. We don't care. He comes with his dad. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I don't see. Uh, as soon as I mentioned Jeff Petrie, there he is. Sauntering into the penalty box, the commentator's like, "Oh yeah, his his dad Dan pe- played for the Detroit Tigers." <laughs> <laughs> you like think that probably wouldn't get anywhere near as much play if you were literally anywhere else, but now we're gonna hear it like twenty times a season, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Here's STP. It's Solid State Radio. It is happy hour. He's Adam Harehawk. I'm Sean Cantwell, and yes. this is something that I'm not sure how much interest this will be really to. Other people, like, I'm already fighting a losing battle because it's baseball related, Uh but I thought that this was kind of a ridiculous thing that came out of the, uh, of one of the playoff series going on right now in the uh, National League uh, Divisional round, and really how it kind of affects, I guess not us per se, but people who do like legit like journalism and things of that nature. <laughs> Are you saying we're not legit journalists? I'm absolutely saying we're not journalists. <laughs> so, after game two in the Braves Philly series, shortstop Orlando Arcia made some comments about the Phillies' Bryce Harper that apparently just set him off. I mean, those comments basically consisted of, haha, at a boy, Harper, yelling that repeatedly while reporters were in the locker room. After Harper got double off first base on Monday, and the Braves would ultimately win that game. So he's going basically giving them bulletin board material because, as you might imagine, hearing that, hearing Arcia talking smack, journalists wrote about that. And in Wednesday's game, The Phillies hit six home runs. Bryce Harper hit two of those (laughs) and stared down Arcia every time he rounded second. So every time he's going around second, he's giving the shortstop for the Braves just daggers, just staring at this guy. And I believe Harper had said something about it afterward that, yes, the stare down was in response to Arcia's comments. Quote, yeah, I stared right at him. He says he enjoys the banter when asked about the comments. His teammates told him what Arcia said, and his teammates looked at him and said, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) And after that game, Arcia was apparently rather upset that these comments made it back to Harper. Because apparently... (laughs) It didn't work out in his favor, that's why. Correct. And if he meant for Harper to hear what he said, NBC Sports Philadelphia's Spencer McCurcher quoted him as saying, quote, no, he wasn't supposed to hear it, that's why we were saying it in the clubhouse. He was not happy that those comments got out. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I could see his point. No, I don't see his point at all. Like, you said that knowing that there's a bunch of reporters... And people with cameras and microphones standing right next to you, and that's, you said it rather loudly to get their attention. That's true. No, I don't see your point at all. That's uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, he, people who are in the press that he shouldn't have a. Uh, <laughs> you can't. I mean, I can all. I can get behind the whole trash talking thing. Sure, but yeah, I'm. But yeah, I'm good with it. Back it up. No, absolutely. And then in this case, he didn't back it up. It actually blew up in his face. Yeah, and and Harper very much did. Like for as much as I'm not a fan of Bryce Harper mm-hmm. in general, personally, like I, I I think he's a little bit on the cocky side, a lot of bit actually. You know, guys like that are uh, they're they're good for the game. They give the game personality, and he backs it up often enough, as I believe the great philosopher Robert Ritchie once said, "It ain't bragging if, if you, you back, back it up." up. Yep. 
And, well, he did. He, he went down and he, he <laughs> spent two home runs and just giving this guy the glare, giving them the business the whole way around. Like, you did what you needed to do. You, you took care of business. That Your teammate's like, what are you going to do about it? And, well, he, he did something about Here's it. Here's what we did. This Crack. is exactly what we did. <laughs> we went and, and, and just beat the brakes off of you. And apparently after that, Kevin Gossman, who formerly of the uh, Braves, currently playing for the Blue Jays, he had some comments on uh, on Twitter about this. He was also incensed that the Arcia comments got out. Quote, it's ridiculous us players have to watch what we say in our clubhouse. <laughs> Multiple facepalm emojis. Some of y'all, man. All I'm saying is that you should not be allowed to quote a player or say something you heard like this in a clubhouse when you, the reporter, are not talking to that player. Huh? That's not how journalism works. No. That's not how any of this works. I would love to comment on the uh, uh, gunfire that I saw uh, in a major metropolitan area, but I didn't get a chance to actually speak to the gunman, so can't, I can't, can't write about it. Yeah, that's... Not at all literally how the entire profession works, man. Like, you, if you're going to say things loud enough for people whose job it is to report things to hear them and not saying it's, oh, this, you know, you're speaking to them off the record, then this is what happens. I, I don't think that, first of all, there's no law against it. If, if somebody says, now this is off the record and they spill the beans, uh, the person can still write about them. Now, whether they get trusted in that clubhouse again or they get trusted by that person again, that would yet to be seen. But And that's the kind of the kicker there. Like, yeah, you can you can go and report that. Like, oh, we were off the record. Well, uh, you're just never going to get anyone to talk to you. You're certainly not going to get that person to talk to you again. Nope. nope. I could see uh, media being banned from the clubhouse altogether. They can't do that. I mean... They they have to have some scheduled like media availability. That's that's part of the, uh, I, I believe that's part of the collective bargaining agreement. The players have to do it because you know that's how. Hey, in my clubhouse, we had a big sign that says "No girls allowed." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had but a secret knock. Yeah, but but your club wasn't also being paid multi millions of dollars <laughs> by media outlets. We were that far to having an endorsement deal, but we just couldn't uh, couldn't agree on terms. I'm sure. I'm I'm positive that was actually the case. <laughs> no, I mean, when you think about these contracts with these media outlets, like y- the media, whether you like it or not, and I know there's a lot of people certainly that are very big on this whole, you know, anti anything to do with the media, fake news, so on and so forth. But when it comes to sports, absolutely, you do need, the, like they do serve in some way as... I don't want to say an extension of PR because their job's not to spin things favorably, but they are getting paid to talk about you and give you that attention, the attention that gets other people to pay attention to you and to watch your sport and to buy the ads that make this whole financial train roll. You can certainly... Here, here's your solution. You wait until they're out of the clubhouse to start doing that stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why is that so difficult? Like, you know that there's reporters here. You know that it's, you know, media availability time. Why are you going and doing that? Right. That's It's that simple. It should be that simple. I don't know. I don't truly understand why it apparently isn't. Well, <laughs> that guy's going to be minding his P's and Q's now. Yeah, you got to believe the guy's going to be watching everything he says from here on out, and that's, you know, I'm fine with that. Like, he, I think he's just mad. Really, I think he's just mad because they got the brakes beat off of him by the fills. That's that's what he's mad about. That's where all this stems from. It's got nothing to do with, oh, he, you know, they violated the the sacred trust of, you know, the, the the sacred code of the locker room or whatever. Right. Like that's something that he's supposed to give a damn about in the slightest. No, he's mad because they got beat, and he gave the opponent bulletin board material. Yeah. That's what he's mad about. And you know, 
He could be mad at himself about that all day long. Go for it. Be be mad about it. You probably should be because Philly ends up going on to win that series and you're going home to, to work on your golf game early. <laughs> yeah. Guess but, you should have thought about well, that yeah. before you open your trap. Because if you flip the score or, scores around, it's like, yeah, well, we heard that you, you said this about Harper. And he would have been like, yep, damn right I did. Yeah, absolutely. He, he would have owned it if his team would have won. He realized he screwed up. And so now he's trying to turn this into a blame the media narrative, which I already hate enough as it is because, my, people get really angry at the media for reporting the things you tell them. <laughs> it's really weird how that works. We, like, we become at a point in time like, how dare you report that I said this? Well, did you say it? Well, yeah, but you weren't supposed to tell people yeah. I said it. Like, we, we've become, like... It, it's a weird thing as a society that there's a growing number of people that are that are, are aren't mad that don't regret the things they say, but are mad because they got caught saying it. Like yes. too many people got really comfortable with saying the quiet part out loud. I think is what it really comes down to. Yep. We got to hit a break. It is happy hour at Salsa Radio. It is happy hour. He's Adam Harahuck. I'm Sean Cantwell, and it's once again that time of the week. For our favorite stupid bit that we do, Sean and Adam's unsolicited advice, where real people with real problems send real questions to real advice columnists, unfortunately for them. We get our hands on them. We intercept. I think we give better advice than the people who actually get paid to do this for a living. We called in a ringer today. Oh, yes. America's favorite Lapeer Main Street manager, James Tiberius Alt. We may not give better advice, but I feel like we give more honest advice. Oh, there is that. <laughs> that we absolutely do. So let's dive into this, shall we? Dear anybody other than Sean and Adam and Jim Alt, if he happens to be there. My wife and I have been married for two years and recently settled in my hometown and bought our first house. We previously lived in an apartment building in a big city with maintenance people who came to fix anything that broke. Shortly after we bought the place, I got a promotion at work and now I'm out of town a lot. Whenever anything goes wrong with the house or car, usually my dad will come over to help out. Whenever he comes over to fix something, he likes to walk my wife through how to do it so that if it happens again, she'll know how. He has two sons and three daughters, and this is how he taught all of us basic tasks like changing a tire, changing our oil, replacing fuses, etc. My wife was never taught these things and spent her adult life having building maintenance do everything for her. The thing is, this annoys my wife. She complains to me that he's mansplaining to her. I spoke to her on the phone after the fuse incident and made sure everything was taken care of, and she said, yeah, I just had to listen to your dad mansplain the whole time about how to do it. <laughs> this is upsetting to me. I told her that was disrespectful. He was taking time out of his day to come help her, and also, it isn't mansplaining if you don't know how to do it. <laughs> It's literally just explaining how to do it so you could do it yourself in the future. She replied she didn't need him to explain it to her because she could just Google it if she wanted to learn. So I told her next time, use Google instead of calling my dad. Now she's mad at me and saying I'm being unsupportive and should talk to my dad and explain how he is making her feel. I told her I would not be doing that, and if you want a maintenance guy that didn't talk, you can call one up next time a fuse blows and sit in the dark till he finds time to get to you. She hung up on me, and our communication has been rather chilly since. I'm not sure how to move forward. I think she's being rude, and she says I'm not hearing her and keeps talking about how harmful mansplaining is to women. I get the bigger picture of mansplaining, but that's not what my dad is doing. I'm also a little dismayed that my wife has no interest in learning how to maintain our house. I don't expect her to learn how to rewire the whole thing, but, you know, knowing how to light the pilot light on the hot water tank would be nice. Um, I have very little to offer other than to back up the writer, because the writer sounds like he's got everything under control. Mansplaining started out as, yes, a woman would tell something, and then a guy would pipe, pipe in. What she's trying to say is this. Now, mansplaining has become a blanket term for every time a man speaks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it's something she doesn't want to hear, she doesn't be bothered with, uh, something that she doesn't agree with, well, it's mansplaining. no. It's explaining, it's information, and it just happens to be coming from a male who knows what's going on. Not because he's a male, but in this case... Because he knows how to do the thing this, that you He has do a not. track record with three daughters and two sons uh, teaching these, uh, these things that need to be taught. Yeah, like, I was under the impression mansplaining is, okay, you're explaining something to someone who clearly already knows what that thing was. Yep. And in, in a few cases, I've seen explaining it wrong. Yeah, 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 there is that. She doesn't want to be talked down to, but the problem is she doesn't know this stuff. And if she doesn't want 
the dad interfering, well then don't then call somebody else. Yeah, call call a professional. Yeah, pay go, someone Google to come it. and do it. Go on YouTube, learn how to do it yourself. As long as you learn it. Yeah, like, because I'm obviously not. Lord knows I've never been the type to to mansplain because I don't understand how most things work. But <laughs> that said, look, the wife can work on the house far better than than I can. Like, there's no no let there be no ambiguity there. Yeah. But in this case, then pay somebody else to come in and do the work instead of having your dad come over. Like, this is like a relatively harmless side effect. Like, sure, you're not going to retain this information. Fine, whatever. But this it seems like, at best, a mild annoyance for having someone who's willing to come over and fix your stuff for free. Right. That, that's, that's the operative term. He's coming in here to help, and he's doing it for free. I'm assuming, unless, unless the dad like, drops off an invoice. <laughs> yeah, if, if he's I mean, charged her for it, then then we have a whole different problem. At this point, I totally would. Like, if you're trying to help, you're not charging him anything, but the wife's throwing a fit. Be like, all right, well, here's the invoice for my time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the right Jim, I think the writer pretty much has it all under control. I think he's just looking for validation. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I completely agree. And I think his point is very valid. If you don't want my dad showing you how to do these so that you can take care of it down the road or so that you understand the problem. Right. Get on Google or hire somebody and take care of it yourself. There's a new website called mansplaining.com that you can check <laughs> out. <laughs> Where you click on a video on how to change a fuse. Okay, listen, sweet cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> it just talks down to you in the most condescending possible way. <laughs> listen, sweetheart, put the blush and the lipstick down for a minute. I'm going to teach you how to light a pilot light. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we now owe an apology to like literally every woman yeah, that has ever listened. percent of the population. <laughs> Certainly not 51% of our listener base, but no. definitely, you no. know, 51% yeah. of the population. Most of our listener base are, you know, monosyllabic. Uh, <laughs> most of them communicate. Yeah, most of them are communicate in a, in a series of primitive grunts. <laughs> Funny. Good. <laughs> listen to this show. They, that might be the case. Oh, this, this one I feel like is very much... Uh, within the wheelhouse of one Adam Harahawk. Oh, God. We'll, we'll, this we'll is let not you. bode well. We'll let you handle this one. Dear somebody who cares, it's been 30 years since the ugly baby episode of Seinfeld. Can you provide some updated guidance on what to say when introduced to an absolutely hideous infant? Does how adorable come across as insincere? Is look at those tiny fingers inviting the elephant further into the room? Will an awe plus a comment on the onesie suffice until small talk can be made about their ability or lack thereof to hold their head up? <laughs> if you think a kid is ugly, and which, by the way, there are ugly kids out there. Most of them. Most of them. Uh, yeah. I, you can say, oh, that's got potential. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually just resort to the, oh, that's a baby. That's definitely a baby. Yep. Yep. I'm I'm kind of usually with Jim on that because I, I, I'll, I don't, this will come as a shock to most of you. <laughs> I don't think babies are cute. I don't. You can go I, with, like, they, all babies look like Edward G. Robinson. Let's be honest here. <laughs> and that, that well, is a reference that's like 60 years older yeah, than anyone in this studio right Wikipedia, now. Uh, Edward G. Robinson right now. Uh, no, I mean, you just go, oh, yeah, and look, and look at you. Look at you, big guy. Oh, he's a girl. Okay. Oh, look at you, honey. <laughs> uh, oh, look at you. And then you mansplain. But, yeah, you mansplain. <laughs> mansplain the baby. <laughs> you see, uh, <laughs> how the eyes are like that far apart from each other, that's not supposed to be like that. That's, are, uh, uh, is a mom and dad like brother and sister? I mean, are we, <laughs> what, what are we doing here? Did you shave a pug? <laughs> <laughs> Which, on the plus side, if you do that, you're now guaranteeing that no one's ever going to bring their baby around you again. So really, it's a win-win, is it not? You would think that. But they still do, because everybody thinks their baby is. Oh, the my exception. baby's adorable. You're gonna come. I know you thought these were all bow wow. Um, now, a few seconds ago, you said if you say that's adorable, it comes off as insincere. Uh, yeah. Right? right. So, are you saying your baby is ugly? My is that... baby is adorable. <laughs> no, I'm just saying these are people think. Uh, not me, but I'm putting myself into uh, the lives of somebody else. Going, oh, you didn't think these babies were cute? I'm gonna bring my kid over. Kind of, you know, like. Uh, people on American Idol going, oh yeah, Simon Cowell said this person was sounded like they're gargled with sandpaper. He's gonna love my voice. 
So yeah. one by one, it's yeah. going to be just a, a, a next Ameri- uh, next American baby top model or something like that. We're going to bring him up there, and Jim's just going to look in the bassinet, going, "Oh, good lord!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, try to keep the lunch down on that one. Wow. <laughs> Zero out of ten stars. <laughs> wow, put that baby back in. He's not done. He's going to invest in like a bunch of like trick mirrors. <laughs> and I'm going to like hold the mirror up to the baby and have it crack. Yeah. And be like, look what's your baby now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You better work on a personality, bud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> You're not, definitely not the Gerber baby. Your baby's huh? going to have seven years bad luck, but mommy and daddy have a lifetime of bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> Dad's like, not me. I'm going for cigarettes. <laughs> Do we have to put babies on the apology list now? Yeah, is that is that where this is going? the ugly ones. So all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of them basically. Sorry, hate hate to be the the one who had to break this to you guys, but yeah, no, your 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 baby's probably not cute. Can almost guarantee it. It. Just don't. Don't don't be like the person who has to shove the baby in everybody's face. Like, I'm bring hey, a- here, look at my baby. Tell me how cute it is. But uh, I'm bringing an 8x10 of my son into this room. <laughs> you would do that. <laughs> It'll be. <laughs> I feel like you could do better. Like, let's get it turned into a wall mural. <laughs> <laughs> Paint a no, whole mural no, to his no, kid no. in the I studio. Do, no. I just want to have the picture up there. And then like a couple months down the road, just put like a black veil over it. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have, have we have we offended all everyone in the audience yet? Uh, well, uh, no. Let's well let's see if we can do uh, if we can nail that on one more of these, shall we? Sure. Okay. Dear, oh God, not them. Anybody but them. I do not feel I am a priority to my boyfriend. On weekends, he goes Friday and Saturday night to his mother's to play video games with his nephew. It's not every Friday and Saturday night, but if his nephew's there, he goes. Am I wasting my time on a 43-year-old man who would rather see family than me during our free time? He works two jobs, so we don't have time together during the weeknights at all. Um, go, spending time with family is important. Allowing... Uh, Video games are no longer just for kids. Anybody can have that escapism, especially if it's to bond with his nephew. That's fine. But if it's not, maybe not every weekend, maybe most weekends, yeah, there's a problem because he is in a committed relationship and he needs to devote time to said relationship. Yeah, if his priority, whether it's family or not, if he's working double jobs... So he never sees this girl. Yeah. And his priority when he has free time is to not see her. Yeah. That's probably a subtle message that he really isn't interested. And yeah, she probably should. She move might on. move on. Or, you know, at least before you move on, one last Hail Mary, you know, dress up, dress up like uh, the princess from, like, dress up like Zelda or like Princess Peach or something like that, you know. From and, and whatever game it is he's playing. And, and, you know, just dress up like a, uh, the, the women dress up in, like, Final Fantasy and stuff like that. And he's like, <laughs> grab your controller, big boy. Come on. <laughs> I got a couple side missions for you. And then when you're in the heat of it, his best friend shows up and says, player two is entered. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so... I don't know if I'd go that route, but no. a possible suggestion could be maybe asking or maybe joining them and playing the games herself, too, like seeing if it's something that she might enjoy so that they're all doing it together. And then <laughs> she is getting to know his family, plus they're getting to spend some time together also. I, yeah, so. that, just, that sounds too just too darn sensible, Jim. Yeah, I, absolutely, except for I've seen when women try to play video games when they don't really understand it. And maybe I'm mansplaining. <laughs> this whole segment really just turned into Adam hates women. Apparently, oh, I love women. I have the videos to prove it. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I mean, I've seen uh, uh, my wife try to play Mortal Kombat against her kids, and she just gets shellacked. She gets a bit upset, does she? Yeah, yeah. My mom tried to play Atari once, and it did not go well. Yeah, I. I Good thing, I good thing the cord has a, I mean, the controller had a cord on it. We'd never find it again. <laughs> I don't know. We never had that problem because because mom could school all of us in in any game ever. Like really? Oh yeah. <laughs> 
like she, she's she's at her house right now playing Call of Duty. He's like, yeah, I'm just sniping twelve year olds. <laughs> right. <laughs> just yelling Crash at them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> just talking all of the smack. Like literally, we had like Ataris and the original NES and all these games things before I was born, and I'm the oldest of the uh, of the of the siblings. Yes. So like, no, that was that was always a thing. So I, I guess we don't share your experience yeah. there, Adam. <laughs> That's awesome. I can imagine her with a headset. I was like, you effing camper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's probably not entirely inaccurate. <laughs> She's playing GTA right now. Oh man, I I need to sell some of my weed and resupply my meth farm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a picture playing GTA, but I want to put it out the realm of possibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just go look over there. She's just driving over hookers on the street. It's like, wow, that well, was quicker. The cops were on me. What do you want me to do? Right. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, maybe you bring her in and she yeah, ends right. up schooling all of you. And then all of a sudden he doesn't want to spend so much time playing because he gets tired of losing. But maybe that's maybe. how this works. Yeah. I, oh. I, yeah, I just, I just, I'm sorry to reiterate. Uh, to mansplain a little bit, uh, he needs to also spend some time with her. I mean, he needs to also uh, be a little bit of a grown-up, even though grown-ups play video games. He needs to wine her, dine her, and you know what? Hope this helps. Michigander, your local alternative, South State Radio. What's going on? It's happy hour. He's Adam Harehuck. I'm Sean Cantwell. Did you know today's apparently a holiday? It's always a holiday. But this is an even stupider one than normal. It was at the... Well, uh, I mean, it might not be stupid for us in particular, yeah, which I yeah. tell you what it is. Yeah, but sure. National Transfer Money to Your Son Day is That's today. That's what I was about to reference. I mean, it's Friday the 13th, but you know what? Whatever. Fire, uh, wire money to your Sunday. Apparently, my mom didn't get that memo. <laughs> Poor Adam. <laughs> the annual day, October 13th, for a parent to send money to their son just because is taking place on Friday this year. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to post on Facebook. It's like, well, apparently mom whiffed on this holiday. But <laughs> but then a lot of, like, uh, Dorothy's kids will be like, uh, yeah, mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, we, we, I'm sorry. We're, we're driving through a tunnel right now. <laughs> and apparently, National Transfer Money to Your Sunday was created in 2009 as a way for parents and guardians to show their sons how much they appreciate them. <laughs> It's, quote, it's a great opportunity for parents and guardians of any age, son, whether he's still living with you or has moved away from home, to show your love and support by transferring money into his bank account. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Don't worry about the money. Just make make a Bosco de Brodo for me. We're good. (laughs) uh, Make your kid... Uh, a famous dish that you, that you're known for, and take it over to them. That's that's how you show your love, right there. Yeah, d- declare that holiday, would you? Daughters, by the way, aren't being left out. National transfer money to your daughter date also exists, and it was last Friday. Last Friday? Oh, I'm surprised that like you know Hallmark really didn't jump on that pony. It really seems like they should have. There's a missed opportunity here, I feel. Because yeah, they'd be like, oh, empower women. Give money to your daughters. <laughs> right. It makes sense. Both days have specific ways listed on the holiday calendar's website as to how parents can send money. Along with examples of the type of impact it can make, such as helping to save for college and teaching financial literacy. You know, teaching financial literacy by giving your kids free money. Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's halfway to Christmas. There you go. <laughs> it's halfway to Christmas. You know what that means. <laughs> Send money to your kids today. Yeah, right. Yeah. G- good luck with that. Like, if you actually, ma- like, I, I want to hear if anyone actually manages to get their parent to send them money because we want to hear from you because uh, uh, you are. You are just impressive. To, like you're a hero to us. You managed to pull that off. Yeah, I mean, who came up with that idea for a for a for a holiday? I assume the International Association of Broke Ass Sons. <laughs> <laughs> They're meeting at the back, the back of a Denny's. They're all crowded into one uh, booth. Oh, you know uh, they can't afford Denny's. They'd be at like yeah. a McDonald's or something. And like, um, yeah. Uh, one order of moon over my hammy and with five plates. Um, <laughs> how do we get more money to us? Oh, I know. Let's guilt trip our parents into sending us stuff. That's a great idea. Let's roll with it. All right. Um, who wants to split an Uber? I, I, I don't know. I, I guess we're all walking. <laughs> 
Should we tip somebody? No, no. In fact, I'm not paying for this meal. This moon over Miami is uh, on the waitress. Let's let's dine and dash. Let's go. <laughs> It's happy hour. <laughs> Cheapskate scuns away. <laughs> <laughs> it's happy hour at Solid State Radio. Stick around. It is that time of the week as we get uh, close to the end of the show here on a Friday afternoon. It is time for the picks and. Would you look at that? Full house. Jim all in studio with us, of course, me and Adam. And uh, via satellite from a secret uh, location, Drew Duffney. Hey, 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 hey. I'm on my game this week. I actually finally got a win for the first first time all season. I am looking to to hold on to the crown now. You know how we know he got a win? Because he actually started talking about it. If anybody else wins, he just goes right to the picks. Yeah, that's totally how that happens. We never talk about it when I win ever on this show. Oh, no. No, we always talk about when you win. When everybody else wins, they're like, um, anyway, uh, to the phones. Uh. Yeah, that's totally what I do. <laughs> Absolutely. Never, never talk about it when I win. Yeah, because hey, you granted, never win. Granted, Sean, I never win. Yeah. But, yeah. Sean, who won the pigs last week? Um, I, 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 th- I think Drew did. Anyway, anyway. We're driving through a tunnel. Sorry, can't hear you. <laughs> actually, Drew, well, Jim might actually case, come Sean, close. I don't think it's going to be a crown. You're going to hang on to the Tierra. <laughs> right, something like that. Actually, Jim does have a win this season, I do believe. Yeah, I think I did I think get one. Week one. One or two, yeah. I think it was week one he came came It was week two. Week two? Adam can't math. It's okay. Let's dive into this, shall we? Another Sunday morning game. When, how, when, when are we going to get rid of this stupid 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning Is London this nonsense? Is work? Are they going to be like, oh, blimey, we need our own NFL team. I, I think that's what they think, but I think we all know that that's not going to be the case. But either way, it's not Jacksonville this time. No, I know it's Baltimore right. headed in as a four-and-a-half-point favorite over the Tennessee Titans. We start with Adam on the pick. Well, Edgar Allan Poe is popular in London. Oh, here we go. And, uh, so they're definitely going to be rooting for the Ravens. Uh, as am I. So, quote the Raven, nevermore. Give me Baltimore. Jimothy. I will not be rooting for the Ravens. That being said, Baltimore's probably going to win. So give me Baltimore. Really? Because I mean, it's Halloween. You love literature. I only assume He's that, a like, Steelers fan. pages of the, the Raven posted throughout the entire house. He's a Steelers fan, though. They, they hate the Ravens <laughs> with the white-hot passion of a thousand suns. Matched only by... Uh, by Cleveland Browns fans, really, <laughs> for taking go. the version of their team that was actually good. <laughs> they sure could, did. Could not have explained it better myself. <laughs> Drew Duffy on the pick. From the words of Arrested Development, it's going to be Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Give me the Ravens. Give me the Ravens to cover. Up next, Seattle headed to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. Cincinnati kind of trying to, if not right the ship, at least... Keep it upright at this point. They are favored by three against Geno Smith and company. We start with Jimothy on the pick. You know, I actually do think that uh, Cincinnati's going to pull this one off. Um, yeah, and come up with an even record. So, yeah, give me Cincinnati. Drew. Yeah, the Bengals for me. Adam. All right, I'll, I'll go off page. Give me the upset. Give me the 3-1 and one Seahawks. I don't know if that's that much of an upset because, yeah, also give me the Seahawks. Up next, Indy in Jacksonville going at it in Jacksonville for AFC South supremacy or something of that sort. Jacksonville comes in as the four and a half point favorite. Indiana or Indianapolis, uh, I think they're supposed to still have. Uh, I don't know. Is Anthony Richardson going to go this week? I am looking to find he's the on, updates on that. He's on injured reserve. Isn't oh he? yeah. Oh god, you're right. He is. So, looks like this thing's going to be in the hands of Uncle Rico, Gardner Minshew himself, the former Jacksonville Jaguar, oddly enough. We start with Drew Duffy on the pick. I think he's going to choke, and uh, Jacksonville's going to take it. Adam. The fact that Colts are 3-2, and two, good on them. Pat them on the back, give them a brownie, and send them on their way. Uh, I think the Colts are uh, a sham. I, I venture to say the Colts don't win another game for the rest of the season. Give me Jacksonville. 
Jimothy. I, too, will be taking Jacksonville. <laughs> For as much as I'd like to sit here and... I look, I like Uncle Rico. Like him a lot. <laughs> Want to see him thrive somewhere as a... Uh, as a starting QB. Even with Jonathan Taylor being back in this thing, he made a season debut last week. I still think this is Jacksonville's game to lose. Give me the Jags. Up next, and I only put this one in here because it was just so funny, this this ridiculous mismatch. The 0-5 Carolina Panthers headed to Miami to take on the most prolific offense in the NFL, which currently sits at 4-1. Miami is favored by 14 in this one. <laughs> so I, I need to know, are they going to cover or not here? Start with Adam Harahuck on the pick. Uh, yes, and they'll cover, and yeah, give me the fins all the way. Jimmy they. Yeah, uh, Miami obviously get the win, and they will cover. Drew. Yeah, Miami to win. I'll take the pro- prophylactic offense or whatever you said. Prolific, Drew. <laughs> yeah, that too. Give me the Finns by 21. Honestly, if they win by less than three touchdowns, it's going to be kind of a disappointment. Let's see them do what they did to Denver. Up next, the Vikings, the Bears. No, we're not doing this game. These teams are both terrible. Up next, <laughs> the Patriots, the Raiders. These teams are also terrible, but I really just wanted to have an excuse to talk about the Pats and how all of a sudden... Bill Belichick might actually somehow be on the hot seat in New England, and Bob Kraft sounds like he, if things keep going the way they are, Belichick is not going to be afforded the opportunity to leave on his own terms. He faces his former assistant, Josh McDaniels, in Las Vegas this week, and the the Raiders are favored by three. We'll start with Jim Alt on the pick. I uh, went with the Raiders last week. I'm sticking with the Raiders this week. Drew. Well, they say, always bet on Vegas. Adam. Uh, I don't know. I, you know what? I'm going to go off script. Give me, uh, give me the pats. I am absolutely taking the Raiders, but real quick, what do we think of the odds here that Belichick has actually fired at the end of this season no. or is forced to retire or any of that? Well, maybe uh, forced to resign, maybe forced to retire, but... I don't, I don't see either happening. He's still a good coach. He just doesn't have Gronk. He doesn't have Thomas Brady. He doesn't have a good QB at all right now. Yeah, he's, he's basically got a dollar. It's basically the Dollar General Patriots right now. I, I think they need to, because he also serves as GM. Yeah. He? I, I think they need to hire a GM and let him just worry about coaching. So maybe he gets a demotion in that sense. But uh, he needs a team to coach. He doesn't have one. But he's really got no one else to blame for that but himself. True. On to Sunday Night Football. The G-Men and the Buffalo Bills. I can't believe this is the marquee Sunday night matchup. Buffalo's favored by 15. We wow. start with Drew on the pick. Wow, yeah. I don't even like Buffalo, but in this case, I got to take him. Jimothy. Uh, give me Buffalo, but they will not cover. Ooh. Adam. Yeah, give me the Buffalo Flaming Tables, and yeah, give me the points. Bills and the points for me. Up next, Dallas headed off to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. Dallas is only favored by two here, and Dallas seems to be kind of uh, perhaps getting exposed a little bit within this last few weeks. I don't know if, if it's a Dak Prescott issue, a Mike McCarthy issue, or a Jared Jones issue, but... Dallas needs to kind of right the ship and quick. We start with Adam Harehawk on the pick. <sighs> give me the teams again. Dallas and the Chargers. Uh, give me Dallas. Jimothy. I'm going to go with the Chargers, and I'm going to throw in uh, Prescott. will throw two interceptions. Drew. Yeah, America's team. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, give me the Chargers. <laughs> give me the Chargers as well. I, I, I'm not going quite as off script as Jimothy, though, although I imagine he'll throw at least one. Then the game we all really care about. Your Detroit Football Lions headed to Tampa Bay to take on Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, boy, here we go. Got to have a little bit of faith here. Detroit favored by three in this one. We'll start with Adam. I don't feel do- good doing this. But maybe 
me picking Tampa will actually uh, give bad luck to Tampa. I'm going to say the Buccaneers. Give me a score. And it's going to be one of those uh, questionable calls. I'm like, what? So I'm going to say 24-22. Jimothy. I am sticking with Detroit on this one. 27-21. Drew. I'm saying Detroit, and I already had a score, so get your scribbler out. Um, 24 to 10 um, is what I got for you. I know it, but I I want to amend that. Uh, I would like that to be 21 to 17. 21 to 17? Yeah. I'm taking the Lions 28 to 21 here. David Montgomery's going to have at least two touchdowns on the day. You know, if I win this, I'm gonna I'll still celebrate a victory, but I'll feel so dirty doing it. As well you should. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. And, and and honestly, you could probably up that by at least one touchdown if Laporta does end up playing. The only reason I have it being a close game as it is is the fact that he's questionable for Sunday. Jameer Gibbs I ain't worried about. The only thing that really concerns me is will whoever takes Jonah Jackson's place be able to keep Goff from getting pressured? And will he have <laughs> anyone to throw to downfield on third down? And you got those two things. I think you'll be you'll be just fine on Sunday. 28 to 21 the final win for your Detroit Football Lions. We got one more little bit of business to take care of. So, Maestro, the music, please. We got some matchups here in college that are actually, well, maybe even kind of interesting. Uh, we have the two teams that are going to be uh, moving conferences next season, Oregon and Washington going at it. Both actually ranked, and let's see, Oregon currently sits at... Uh, they're both 5-0. They're both 5-0. Oregon ranked 8th, and Washington ranked 7th in the nation. Washington That's favored garbage. by 3. You start with Adam on the pick. Go Ducks! Jimothy. Call me a duck. <laughs> Drew. Washington for me. Gimme Washington as well. Up next, USC headed to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame ranked 21st in the nation, two losses on the year. USC hasn't lost one yet. I already know what Drew's taking, so let's get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, because Irish aren't weaklings. Adam. Chill. <laughs> I, I think Drew's still sputtering out. Hang on a second. I think he's done. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Irish, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, sort of, yeah. They're, they're gonna be good, yeah. <laughs> That sounds like a car that just won't shut up. <laughs> right? Adam. <laughs> USC. Jimothy. I'm there with you, Drew. Give me Notre Dame. Make it 7-0 for the Trojans. Up Trojan next, man. <laughs> Miami, 25th in the nation, going to North Carolina. They're 5-0. and And you know what else they know how to do? Take a knee when there's, time, when there's enough time on the clock to run it out. UNC favored by three. We start with Jim on the pick. I am going to go with North Carolina. Drew. Yeah, North Carolina for me, too. Adam. Oh, no, there's going to be an upset. Give me Miami. Mario Cristobal shouldn't have a job as a head coach in college football right now. You have less than 30, 40 seconds on the clock. Why run a play? Take the knee and the game. End the game. He's learned from his mistakes. And no, he hasn't. He's already he's done this twice. Yeah. <laughs> well, Give first me. time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. Third time, uh, we're, we're gonna Third run time, it. fire you out of the cannon into the sun. <laughs> Give me UNC. Up next, UCLA taking on Oregon State. Oregon State ranked 15th in the country. They come in 5-1. and one. UCLA is 4-1. and one. You, Oregon State is favored by 3.5. Adam on the pick. Uh, caught me in mid-yawn. Thank you so much. What a great producer. Uh, Give me UCLA. I know. That's why I'm the best. Jim. Uh, nope. I'm going to go with Oregon State. Drew. You can't even say Oregon. Yeah. Oregon State. <laughs> there. Oregon. Drew got it. <laughs> Oregon. Yeah. Give me Oregon State, as Drew, Drew says. Up next, U of M. <laughs> We're only picking this game because they're the local team, and they're favored by 33 over Indiana. We start with our resident Wolverine fan, Jim Alt, on the pick. Uh, it's a tough one, but give me Michigan. And they'll cover. Drew. I hate voting for the enemy, but it's going to be you of them. Adam. Uh, uh, yeah, go blue, but you can keep the points. 
Oh, they're they're going they're going to get that that blowout win that I. I, I don't think I don't think they will. I, they're going to win. It's it may be by like 15, 20 points. It's not going to be by no thirty three. Definitely not. Not definitely not three thirty three and a half. I don't know how they're going to manage that. Yeah, give give me U of M and the points. And finally, Michigan State and Rutgers. Rutgers is favored by four and a half. Drew. Uh, Michigan State all the way. They're going to close it up this week. Adam. Michigan State versus who? Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers. Jimothy. Rutgers. If you lose against Rutgers, you should be automatically kicked out of the Big Ten. <laughs> so, looks like Michigan State's going to be looking for a new conference. Give me Rutgers. Oh, get me out of my misery. Well, we got some uh, business to take care of real quick. So, they have to leave the Big 18? <laughs> Pretty much. We're going to be the only team that's not in this conference or the SEC by the end of this week. Let's do this thing in our weekly attempt to cleanse our souls. Happy hour really should probably just apologize to women and children and leave it at that. We're sorry. <laughs> Stick around. A full hour of local original music comes your way next on Sessions. I'll be in well. Talk to you Monday. See ya.